Welcome to episode 76 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, our family heads out on a spring adventure being careful to dodge areas of dense population and rascally weather. And if you're curious how it all turned out, we'll let the kids share the highlights on today's top five list. Then on the Summit Gear Review, a technical throw quilt that looks a lot like your favorite puffy jacket, but without the annoying armholes and hood. Next on today's Backpack Hack of the Week, we'll hook you up with the master list we use before every backpacking trip. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from a precocious six-year-old boy and his tiger. All this and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. Well, I have to give some credit to our eight-year-old son who came up with this week's episode title. In fact, it was kind of inspired by our 13-year-old who said, Hey, Mom, can you play On the Road again on your ukulele? And so I played it as we were hiking down the trail, and I think that's kind of what inspired our 8-year-old. We were on the Rogue. We were on the Rogue River. It was great. Again. I know. I know, and I feel bad because we gave the Redwoods such a hard time because we were like, Oh, we already did the Redwoods with our kids, and now we're doing it again. We were... I don't know, maybe a little bit ungrateful or maybe a little bit whiny. But then we chose to do the Rogue River again with with our kids this time uh, instead of just by ourselves. So Okay, let's back up a little bit. Um, if people have been following us on Facebook or Twitter, they know that we've been planning our spring backpacking trip with our family. And I think back in February, maybe by the end of February, we had narrowed it down to a couple options. Uh, one was the Oregon coast using a section of the Oregon coast trail. And the second one was an area northeast of Bend, Oregon, east of the Cascade Mountains. We were looking at an area around the Motherlode Mine. And we had some criteria for this trip because it's the shoulder season right now and the weather is so erratic. We thought, well, let's keep it below 2,500 feet because that way we can ensure that there's no snow matches kind of the experience that we want and matches our gear. And then the other criteria was that we wanted it to be around two hours from home. Because this was just a spring break trip, we thought, oh, we want to be able to have some flexibility in case things go south, you know, in case there's a freak snowstorm in the middle of the week. We want to be able to get back home and have a a spring break inside. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know that sounds wimpish, but (laughs) when you have... Six people, I don't know, you have to, you know, put those things into consideration. Right. And as we got researching it a little more, we realized that the Motherlode Mine area was going to be out because we were looking at elevations of over 5,000 feet. And so we couldn't guarantee that there would be no snow up there. So instead of the Motherlode Mine, we started looking at the lower Deschutes River. It dumps into the Columbia River, so the elevation is very low, like just a few hundred feet above sea level. And I guess the downside is um, there's not much to see there. But that, see, that wasn't a concern for me. I was all for the Deschutes River because 
once you get outside, even if there's no like huge craggy mountain or like cool feature there, you can still have a really amazing time, even if it's relatively repetitive or bland scenery. I thought it looked beautiful. We checked the weather for the coast and it promised, what, nearly 100% rain every single day. It was between 50 and 100%. Yeah. And with the coast, I just know how wet it is. It's just the rain is cold and it drives right into your soul. So I don't know. I couldn't imagine a spring break like that. And yet the day before the trip, as I was trying to put the itinerary together, the kids had kind of voted for the coast. And so I'm diving into what can we do out there? And I have this itinerary coming together that gets me really excited. We were going to go to Fort Clatsop, which is the Lewis and Clark location where they spent the winter in 1805, I think it was, and uh, just do a day visit there. And then we were going to do an overnight hike in Ecola State Park. And in the middle of that hike is a set of Adirondack shelters in a hiker camp. So it's not accessible to drive up campers. It's only accessible to people who are hiking the Oregon Coast Trail. And so I was thinking, okay, this is great. Even though it'll be raining, we will have shelter and we'll have a picnic table under a shelter. And then we can go down to the beach and we'll get wet anyway. Who cares? And so, you know, I was getting really excited about it. But there's still that reality of if it's constantly raining, it is hard to deal with. And then the second location that we were looking at was the Deschutes River. That would have been awesome, but the winds were going to be so high that week. This makes us sound so wimpy, but I think these are real considerations. And especially in the shoulder seasons, you just have these really wild weather patterns that can really alter your gear choices, um, the activities that you do during the day, it really makes a difference. And so I don't think it was too wimpy of us to take these weather considerations into consideration, (laughs) (laughs) these weather, these weather elements into consideration. And again, the day before the trip, as I had just printed out the coast itinerary, and then we changed our minds for the Deschutes, and I started researching the Deschutes, you know, even though I said, oh, it looks boring, I was still getting excited about the Deschutes River because I found that there were a couple of old homesteads. And so we'd be able to camp at one of those and then hike up to the other one and, you know, kind of explore the history and kind of imagine how people used to live uh, there. And and so I was getting excited for the Deschutes. And the weather forecast was, hey, sunshine, very little rain. That looked great until we dug into that forecast and saw the wind forecast. And That brought back memories of a camping trip that I took you on the spring break right after we got married. And I don't know how many camping trips you had been on prior to that time. I'd say a good handful, perhaps. A handful, yeah. (laughs) And so we ended up on the Columbia River to spend the night. And I remember getting up several times during the night to put our tent back up. That's how windy it was. And so the Deschutes was out because of wind. So here we are the day before our trip. The coast is out. The Deschutes is out. The Motherlode mine is out. And we're like, what are we going to do? Plus, did we mention that one of our kids was just getting over strep throat? And we had another child who got pink eye and an ear infection the weekend before spring break. So we were already kind of driving with three wheels. It was kind of... Yeah, this was touch and go just the day before we left. Yeah. 
So this brought us to the Rogue River. Josh and I had such a great time on that trip last September. And really, we kept saying as we were hiking, the kids would love this. This is such a great place. And I think we had crossed the Rogue River off of the options for spring break for two reasons. One is that it was uh, further from home, more than two hours. And the second was bears. There was some concern, I think, among you and our youngest child. Yeah. Of just feeling a little scared that we would be in bear country. Yeah, bear country with all that food. That was my main concern. But we realized it met the important criteria. The weather forecast was okay. It was going to rain the first day, and then it would be fairly dry after that. By fairly dry, we mean it rained every day, but not all day. But not all day, (laughs) right. And the temperatures were going to be tolerable. Uh, The elevation was low. And the bears were asleep. Yeah, they're not really out yet. So it was fine. And we still brought bear bins and we were very careful with our food and hung it every night. Yeah. So I think something like 12 hours before departing on our trip, we finally had an itinerary. It was it was the perfect spring break trip. So for today's top five list, we're going to have the kids tell you what they loved about this trip. And some of you who are following us on social media may have seen a picture of our family where everyone is smiling except for one child. (laughs) And um, you'll understand why he's not smiling when you listen to the top five list. He explains what what led to that grumpy face. We recorded this on the third day of our trip while we were out on the Rogue River. I really like throwing huge rocks off the bridge. I really enjoyed skipping rocks and The rock shaped like a toilet. It was convenient. (laughs) (laughs) I really like the valuable substances we found. What kind of valuable substance are you talking about? Um, that's confidential information because there's a pact between all three of us brothers to not tell anybody what we found. Okay, from what I saw, they found flecks of... No, no! Turkey burgers! (laughs) Flecks of something that are very valuable. My favorite part was being able to set up my own tent. It was really easy to figure out. So all four kids have given their favorite thing from this trip. Do you guys have a combined thing that you've all loved about this trip? Or is it mommy and daddy's turn to share something? Um, no, we're not going to give you any time. No, you guys get to take over the rest of it. My favorite part, I think all of us combined, was... Probably going to bed. Something to do with the river. I think favorite part for all of us was um, throwing big rocks. Not having to go to school. Before we wrap up, I'm kind of curious. What's been the biggest challenge on the trip so far? The huge waterfall. The hardest part was crossing the waterfalls on the trail. The most challenging part of this trip is stuff running out of battery that's really annoying the most difficult part was trying to start a fire um i was in the lead and i just felt like everyone else was going too slow and it's like they weren't trying my my least favorite my difficultest part was my most difficult part was um, crossing the the big waterfall that was just 
taking over the trail at the beginning. You have to go down a cliff, across the river, the stream, and then we had to climb back up the cliff. You know, it was a really leisurely trip. We hiked in three and a half miles. We did two zero days in a row, and then we hiked out three and a half miles. That's not much of an itinerary. And yet the things that the kids remember, throwing rocks, panning for a valuable substance. That's right. Setting up a tent. It's such simple stuff. You don't even have to plan that. You just have to put yourself outside, and it happens. Well, we let the kids hijack this top five list. We didn't get much input. So I'm curious, Josh, what was your um, favorite moment on the trip? Actually, it wasn't a moment per se, but it was having no itinerary. I would get up in the morning whenever I felt like getting up, eat breakfast, and then on a whim, I said, I'm going to head down the trail. I'll see you when I get back. And I was gone for an hour and a half, just hiking down the trail, and eventually I decided to turn around and hike back. And I just love those opportunities where I don't have to be in a certain place at a certain time for a certain thing going on. And I can just kind of just relax. I think my favorite moment was laying out on a blanket and the sun had finally come out and my body warmed up to 98.6 degrees. It was awesome. And I was reading a book and I was wearing pretty dark clothing and the sun just soaked into my clothes, soaked into the blanket and just, ah, it was so great. It was just bliss. I loved it. That leads us right into today's Summit Gear Review. True that. For today's Summit Gear Review, we will be reviewing the Rumple Puffy Quilt. And this is the same blanket that I was laying on when I was sunning myself and relaxing. Rumple makes quilts, and they're part of a category of gear where its performance gear has performance features, but it also has a high level of design woven into it. So it really can transition from home to trail. In fact, When I go to the outdoor retailer show, there's a special section of the convention center that's set aside for this category. It's really a growing category. And um, yeah, it's typically overrun with millennials and hipsters, but it's so awesome to see the technical innovation combined with a high level of design. Yeah, those hipsters, pretty clever folks. They're doing good things behind those handlebar mustaches and those slouchy cable knit beanies. (laughs) So this quilt is made of performance fabric, which is 20 denier ripstop nylon, and it repels water, stains, and odor, which it really does repel odor. We had a fire going the entire time that we were out on the Rogue River, which was tended by an eight-year-old and an 11-year-old. So it was a very smoky fire and uh, consisted mainly of piles of pine needles. But anyway, I gave the quilt a sniff test when we got home, and it didn't smell like our camping clothes. So I thought it did a pretty good job of repelling odor. As far as utility goes, this quilt works fantastically as a supplement for existing bedding. So it's something I feel is a good match for shoulder season family camping. It just seems to kind of fill in the gaps. You know, if someone's sleeping cold at night, or if you need just an extra quilt for someone, it's a really great piece of gear that just fills in those gaps. The Rumple Puffy Quilt weighs 2.1 pounds. It's 50 inches by 70 inches, uh, which is large enough for two adults to share in a tent. When it's stuffed into its stuff sack, 
it measures a diameter of six and a half inches by 14 inches long. That was for the throw. Rumpel also has king, queen, twin, and baby size quilts. Now this is the version of the quilt that uses synthetic insulation. Definitely check out the down quilt as well um, because it's half the weight at just over a pound and it compresses into a stuff sack that's half the size as well. Uh, of course, it's double the price, but for backpacking, it's, it's much more lightweight and compact. If you can afford the extra cost, it's going to be much lighter and more compact. As far as maintenance goes, the Rumpel Puffy is completely machine washable, and it's something that you don't feel bad throwing on the ground. It has all the features that make it appropriate for taking outside. It's meant to be taken outside. It does come with a stuff sack, and you can either fold it or stuff it. The throw size, and I don't know about the other size, but the throw size is really hard to get in the stuff sack, so you have to be pretty dedicated when you stuff it in there or fold it up and roll it up and stick it in there. But I don't know, a lot of things are like that. You think, oh, this is never going to fit inside the stuff sack. And then after a few minutes of sweating, <laughs> you can right. finally stuff it in there. As far as investment goes, it's $99 and it has a one-year warranty. And as we mentioned, if you go for the down version, then you're looking at $199. For trial, we brought this on our Rogue River trip. And I brought it because I wanted some insurance. We were going to be backpacking with kids and anything can happen. And so if someone spills their water bottle in the tent on their sleeping bag, then you have a kid with a wet sleeping bag. Or if someone drinks too much water right before bedtime and there's issues you know you have all sorts of someone gets sick with six people i really wanted a backup but i didn't want to bring a full-sized sleeping bag this quilt weighs two pounds which is like adding a really lightweight sleeping bag but i found it to be a lot more versatile than a sleeping bag we ended up using it outside as a blanket for all of us to eat on so we would like you know spread it out and we all used it as a picnic blanket um I used it when the sun came out to just rest, relax, and read. It was so nice. And then we also used it in our tent over our sleeping bags. It's kind of a second layer of warmth. Both Josh and I sleep cold. And the weather forecast for the Rogue River was promising to be better than the other options we had looked at. But it's still shoulder season camping, and I was still nervous about whether my sleeping bag would keep me warm enough. I slept in my sleeping bag that I bought when I was a teenager. I still have that one. It's one of my old pieces of gear that hasn't been replaced yet or upgraded. And so, you know, I get nervous when the temperatures get down into the 30s. I don't know if I'm going to stay warm enough. So it was comforting to have that extra layer with the quilt on top of us. And let me just say, the kids all have newer sleeping bags. Josh's sleeping bag, as he mentioned, is decades old. <laughs> and the, the filling inside... Uh, compressed and it's probably a now a 40 degree sleeping bag not a 20 degree anymore yeah. so it was really nice to have that extra layer and we checked on the kids every day and they said they slept fine they slept warm but it it was nice to have that extra layer just in case they said oh, we're freezing and we would have tossed it in in their tent would we would we? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the mother in you probably would have. Yes. 
And there were a couple mornings where I brought the rumple quilt out for breakfast and just wrapped it around me. And then, you know, a kid popped out of his tent and I would wrap it around me and that kid. And then another kid would come out. And so it was kind of like this little huddle of warmth. We had this blanket wrapped around the three of us and it was really cozy, really cute. So the rumple puffy is a technical versatile, great little item for shoulder season family backpacking. And it's the kind of gear where if you bring it, you'll definitely use it. And if you don't bring it, you may wish you had. For today's backpack hack of the week, we have an online packing list for you. Before each of the family trips that we've gone on, we've gone to REI's website to print off a packing list for each child. And we write their name at the top of that list, and we have them gather the gear that they need and find their backpacking clothes, which are always scattered throughout the house. I don't know how that happens, but we're working on it. Still working on it. This list is really comprehensive, and sometimes it's kind of hard to weed through it all and figure out exactly what you need. Like one of the items on the list is measuring cups. You don't need measuring cups you can eyeball it. And most of the meals that you'll probably have while you're out backpacking, if it calls for two cups of boiling water, there's a good chance that you'll have a water bottle that has graduated measurements on it. Yeah. So usually the first thing we do when we print off the REI checklist, uh, you know, after we write the kid's name at the top, then depending on which trip it is, the season of the year, where we're going, everything, we cross off a bunch of items on the list that we know that our kids or we don't need to take on this trip. Once we've crossed off all those items, which is usually at least half of the items, then we can hand the list off to the kid and they can go grab the things that we didn't cross off that they actually need to bring. Yeah, and the rule is that they can't check off something unless it's physically in their pack or in front of their pack. If you're really unsure about what to take on your backpacking trip, definitely run the list by a friend and they might have some other suggestions, too, that, that would be really valuable for the specific trip that you're taking. I know when you're first jumping into backpacking, it's like you don't know what you don't know. Um, on our recent trip to the Rogue River, our daughter decided that she was going to sleep without a sleeping pad. Uh, I think she was trying to pack up early and get her stuff all lined up and ready so we'd be ready to hike out the next morning. And when I looked in her tent and saw there was no sleeping pad... I did the gasp of panic that moms are so good at. You know, like, oh, what are you doing? Why is there no sleeping bag? And she just didn't realize that that was a really important part. And for someone just starting backpacking, you know, you may think like, oh, I'm tough. I don't need something squishy underneath me. Well, it's not for comfort. It's for your safety. It's for warmth. It's to protect you from the really cold ground. And the ground is going to suck all that warmth out of you and you'll have a really rough night. So definitely talk to a friend, run through the list with a friend, and they can let you know what's important. And on the other hand, we brought a couple different forms of water purification methods with us, only to find when we were packing up for the hike out that one of our sons had packed the Katadyne Hiker water filter in his pack. And we never used it because we, you know, we were already prepared with the stuff that we brought. So it was a nice extra pound or so for our 11-year-old to carry. 
The REI list is a great starting point, and we will put the link to the PDF in the show notes. And today's show notes are at thefirst40miles.com slash 076. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Bill Watterson, who's the creator of Calvin and Hobbes. He said, or probably Calvin said, Look, a trickle of water running through some dirt. I'd say our afternoon just got booked solid. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, then get outside or start planning your next adventure. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. Opening, here we go. We checked the weather for the coast and the Deschutes River. Oh, Deschutes. Deschutes. Why do I want to cut off the S? I want to say it all French and fancy. Oh. The Deschutes. The Deschois. The Deschois Deschois River. The rock shaped like a toilet. I left it in. (laughs) I thought it was a poop rock. No, it was rock, sh- rock shaped, shaped like, like a, toilet, a toilet, which I never huh. saw. I never got. Nah. Yeah. I'm checking it out. I got that uh, opportunity. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, give a comeback for that. I might have one. I didn't even think about it. I might have one. Okay. <laughs>